Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome one, welcome all to the court of the Trashy Royals, where we assemble each week to reveal and revel in the tales of our betters behaving badly. My name is Stacy. Hey friends, Alicia here. Thank you for joining us today on Trashy Royals for Princess Louise of Battenberg, the second of the children of Louis and Victoria. We talked about Princess Louise's older sister, Alice, last week. And to be fair, Louise is not all that trashy compared to everything coming with the Mountbattens. But I would be remiss if we did not include her in our Mountbatten arc. Louise, so headstrong, so individualistic, and so much sibling drama, too. Before we begin today's ride of Naughty Nobles, we do have a few fine folks to thank for their recent support over on Trashy Royals Patreon. Who gets the shout-outs this week, Stacey? Huge thanks and praise to Brenda R., Nancy B., Jody W., and Angela C. Y'all rock. If you would like to get Trashy Royals delivered early and ad-free to you, patreon.com slash trashyroyalspodcast is the place to go to find out more. Thank you to all of our supporters over there and you for joining us today. And here we gather. Let us anon to middle sister, Princess Louise of Battenberg. Louise, Louise. Louise is the second daughter of Victoria and Louis. Alice is her older sister. Louise has two younger brothers coming, George and Louis, who we will know as Dickie. (laughs) Those stories are coming, but Louise, totally worth a mention here in our Trashy Royals ride, is the amount of family drama in this one over one of Louise's love affairs is just simply unparalleled. Louise Alexandra Marie Irene Mountbatten was born in Hesse on July 13th, 1889. Again, second child. Louise comes in four years behind her sister, Alice. Both girls are mainly educated by governesses as the family does travel a lot for their father, Louise' military service. They are a close family. The parents fell in love The family's close with the parents. The parents are close with the kids. It really is the happiest of situations. A bit of an outlier compared to so many of the stories we've covered. Louise is another great-granddaughter of Queen Victoria. And Louise is just as interesting as Alice, but in completely different ways. Louise is progressive. So progressive. And her story takes quite a few twists and turns throughout the years. Let's get to Louise. Our dear princess, born in 1889. By 1909, Stacy Louise is 20. Let's get this girl married. 
But Louise, remember, progressive, she wants to do things her own way. And she has said her whole life when she's writing her practical magic list of things that she's looking for to cast the petals to the wind. One blue eye, one green eye. Yes. Well, Louise really doesn't honestly even have that many requirements. Louise, number one, wants to marry for love. That's rule number one. Number two, Louise makes a hard, fast rule that she will never marry a king Hmm. or a widower. Okay. Okay. So 1909, King Manuel II of Portugal. Sorry. What was his title again? King Manuel II of Portugal. Okay. Yeah. Already already lining up well. Mm Mm-hmm. He proposes to Louise and Bertie, her great uncle, who is king now, is all in for the match. But Louise is like, no, not going to do it. I don't love him. Holding firm. He's a king. I I don't don't love love him. him, So I'm out. Right after this, Louise is going to have another suitor. (laughs) This is the brother-in-law of her sister, Princess Alice, who is this catch. Prince Christopher of Greece and Denmark. Prince Christopher is the son of King George I of Greece and Olga Konstantinovich. The marriage with Louise and Christopher does not happen. Instead, Christopher will go on to marry in 1920 to an American dollar princess. Considerably older than Christopher, with one divorce and one widowship under her belt before... She marries Prince Christopher. So this is a third marriage for her. For, yes, Princess Anastasia. But Princess Anastasia doesn't start out that way. She starts out as a girl named Mae Stewart from the United States. She's a total blue blood. She goes Mm -hmm. to Miss Porter's, the whole nine. Anyway, Mae Stewart is not the story I'm telling today. Back to Louise, who has rebuffed King Manuel of Portugal, rebuffed... Prince Christopher of Greece and Denmark. And let's make it up to 1914. Louise is now 25 years old, and Louise and her mama are going to book a little excursion. They call up Expedia. They're going to go <laughs> visit mom's cousin, Alexandra, in oh. Russia. Ah, mm-hmm. Excellent timing for a, just a pop on into Moscow. Yeah, not a great time to take in the sights of Russia in 1914. Hmm. So they go visit, and they're visiting Aunt Alex, which is great. Sure. Needless to say, it doesn't go great for very long. And so Mama, Victoria, and Louise need to get out of Russia. They do. As they're traveling back home, they make a stop over in neutral Sweden. Why not? Sweden's here. It's neutral. It's a great time to catch up with some family. (laughs) Who's in Sweden? Crown Prince Gustav. And Crown Princess, Princess Margaret. This Princess Margaret, Gustav's wife, is family. She's Princess Margaret of Connaught, who is the daughter of Prince Arthur, the third son of Queen Victoria. Okay. So this makes Princess Margaret of Connaught and Princess Victoria of Hesse and by Rhine first cousins. They're just going to hang out with cousins. Everybody's cool. Just want you to make a note of that visit in 1914 to neutral Sweden to visit cousin Maggie mm-hmm. and her husband, the crown prince Gustav. Sure. It will come back around. 1914, World War One time. So much is happening all over the globe, but with Louise too. During World War One, she will work as a nurse 
in French hospitals for the Red Cross. She does this work from 1915 to 1917. And goodness, now Louise, she's so over the hill. Right? Like, 1917, she was born in 1889. Like, whoa, what do we do with Louise? Right. (laughs) Do you like nursing? Is nursing, do you see a future there? Now, to be fair, I'm not going to say Louise is not good looking, but in the family, Alice got the looks. Louise perhaps did not have quite the same DNA Punnett square. Sure. She's not as good looking as her sister who really is so, so nosy. But remember, Louise, only going to marry for love, and wow, does Louise have some real nosy siblings and parents. So it's a great time to take a quick break. When we return, (laughs) we're going to talk about Louise's wartime love and how it all goes terribly wrong and how families are terrible with the nicknames they create for people. Oh, (laughs) no. We'll see on the flip. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, friends, this bit. Hugo Vickers writes a tremendous book about Princess Alice in 2003. Alice, Princess Andrew of Greece. It's fantastic. I'm going to use a few pages of this excellent book to break down the next part of this story because family, am I right? From Hugo Vickers, let's connect this all together. 1917, sure, Louise is working as a nurse, but also there's some big-time branding changes happening within the English monarchy, right? Mm -hmm. We're not the Battenbergs anymore. We're the Mountbattens. We're changing our name. So I'm going to start it here just to set this precipice of 1917 and where it all kind of doesn't go off the track, but let's just set the stage here. The king, who at this time in 1917 is King George V, changed the name of the British royal house from the House of Wetton to the House of Windsor. He summoned Louis from the Isle of Wight and, after being closeted with him for some time, explained to him that because he was being attacked as being half German and surrounding himself with German names, he must ask us Holsteins, Tex, and Battenbergs to give up using in England our German titles and to assume English surnames. Louis was pleased to have a peerage because here Louis gets Marquis of Milford Haven. Milford Haven, okay. Mm-hmm. That's probably a real place. <laughs> it is. Louis, again, pleased to have a peerage, but aware that he was at the king's mercy saying we are only allowed to use our German titles as the sovereign has recognized it, but he can refuse this recognition at any moment. If so, we are plain mister, which would be impossible. <laughs> Peerage seems the only possible compensation. Clearly. I mean, you know, get a title. I mean, in fairness, Germany did not exactly cover itself in glory in the first half of the 20th century. <laughs> Okay, so Alice is, of times. is staying 
with her parents during all of this time and back from Hugo Vickers during her 10-day stay with her parents, Alice was told of the problem concerning Louise. Hmm. Her younger sister had fallen in love with her artist friend, Alexander Stewart Hill, <laughs> whom the family had called Shakespeare. Oh. That's... Oh, my God. My family's terrible. The... Like, everybody who dated anybody in my family, you were given a family nickname. But this is legit the very best part of the story. Louise's boyfriend, the family calls Shakespeare. He is Alexander Stewart Hill. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that doesn't necessarily sound like it's used respectfully. It's way more respectful than the names my family had for the people I dated. Well, Those were some you real nicknames. dated people with titles. <laughs> no, Alexander Stewart Hill does not have a title. The family calls him Shakespeare. So back to Hugo Vickers. Alice had the opportunity to meet Shakespeare for herself when she and Louise went to London for two days. She summed up Louise and her predicament in a letter to Aunt Onor in Darmstadt. This is Alice writing about Louise. Yes, you're shaking your head. You should be fully shaking your head. Alice writing on Louise. She has become much more beautiful. Her character so refined and nobly developed, so independent and competent and sensible in her work. I haven't asked Mama for her permission, but I will tell you that as the war broke out, she fell in love with a very nice man and he with her. But he was killed within the first few months before they could become engaged. My parents were very upset as they had liked him very much. The identity of this man is unknown. There's no Interesting. clue in the Mountbatten papers. But now, Alice continues, <laughs> dum -dum. Louise has become engaged to a Scottish artist who lives in Paris. He is quite well known in artistic circles and they predict a famous future for him. But he looks so odd and is such an eccentric that only now, after two years, has Louise had the courage to tell her parents. That's a long time, especially in that time period, to like hide a romance. Dot, dot, dot. Just before I arrived. Oh my God. <laughs> I found them all very upset because they fear that an artistic temperament like his might be rather difficult in marriage, and they are so afraid Louise may not be happy. They asked him to wait until the war is over, so the engagement has not been publicly announced. Is that a sort of, like, convenient use of the war that's raging? Hang tight, you don't even know. You don't even okay, know what the okay. problem is with Shakespeare. So Alice continues, only Nona... George and Dickie know about it. Alice continues in this letter. I went to London with her and met him and went around with the two of them, but everybody turns up in the street and laughs at him when they see him. We call him Shakespeare because he has a little beard just like him, but his name is Stuart Hill. Louise was shaking with fear before the first meeting with Nona and the brothers, so I had to be there. He is very easy to talk to and interesting, and she's madly in love with him, but he is so incredibly afflicted. Victoria discussed the Shakespeare problem with Alice, 
before she and Louise went to London and found her, quote, most sensible and nice about it. And she and Louise have had a long talk, which I think will be a help to Louise. Louis, daddy, had probably suspected that Louise loved Shakespeare as early as May, since he wrote to her offering to take her for a winter sea voyage. Revisiting his haunts as a midshipman, round the West Indies, America, and Canada. It was the kind of invitation that looked generous, but was almost certainly received with a sinking heart. Because he's in the Navy now? Oh, no, he's an artist now. No, no, but... I got, yeah, yeah, he's in the Navy. Shakespeare does come to stay at Kent House from the 27th to the 31st of July. Just before Shakespeare's visit... Louise poured out her heart to Nona, apologizing for having kept it secret for so long. She told her that she had loved Shakespeare and they would marry after the war when they could scrape up enough money. Louise continued, He is just the one and only person I could ever marry and really be happy with. He is the person I've always looked for and I thought I should never find. He understands love and marriage in the same way as I do. And like me, he's never really cared for or wished to marry anyone up until now. I wish you knew him. I know you will really like him when you get to know him well. He is the most charming and fine character, and he is not a tiny bit what one expects artists to be. Though he loves his art, and it means nearly everything to him. Oh, Louise, she's so lovesick, she continues. I've known him now for two years, and we have got to know and understand each other really well. Marriage has always frightened me because so often it is not a success, and people give up their independence for nothing. But I think it is bound to be a success when one's love is built on real and great friendship like yours and Dick's. To marry anybody one has only just fallen in love with is a great risk because it may not be anything really deep and lasting. Louise told Nona that while Shakespeare's father lived, he was not independent and they thought marriage was impossible. But the father had just died when she last returned to Nevers. She realized that her parents were likely to be somewhat disappointed in her choice because Shakespeare is not exactly parti, but found them, quote, too charming and nice and kind and understanding and their reaction totally unselfish and wonderful. She believed that they trusted in her judgment, but in this she was self-deceiving, Louise concluded. Though Shakespeare has very little money of his own, about 400 pounds a year, he is, I think, bound to get on in the world. His artist friends and other people consider that he has a very great talent and that he is bound to make a name for himself. His father never gave him a penny, and the money he's lived on and had for traveling, he made by his paintings. Just before the war, he saved a thousand pounds, which he, alas, invested in Germany. He was going to have an exhibition at one of the small good galleries in London in the autumn of 1914 and was painting for it in Italy when the war broke out. Now, Vickers continues, Alice took a middle line on this matter, sympathetic to Louise, while sharing her parents' concern. The engagement survived through 1918, and Shakespeare spent a further holiday with the Milford Havens at Kent House 
between the 13th and 24th of June, 1918, when the weather conspired to be its most disagreeable. (laughs) Presently, the family became preoccupied by events in Russia. Makes sense. It does. Which pushed the question of Louise's matrimonial plans into the background. Finally, you ready? Here's the denouement. Louis was forced to tell Louise that she could not marry Shakespeare because dot 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 he was homosexual. In those unsophisticated times, Louise had grown up unaware of what homosexuality was or indeed that such a possibility existed. In December 1918, Alice wrote to Aunt Onor, I had a letter from Louise who broke her engagement. She understood that it would not work, but is very unhappy, nevertheless. Mm. (laughs) Later, Alice clarified this. The parents found out that her fiancé was not a decent man. Mm. Now, to be fair, the family's predictions, this is just in a little sub-note, were fully justified. Alexander Stuart Hill became a painter of distinction. The Perth Art Gallery in Scotland has several of his pictures. He became part of the set of Colonel George Colkhurst, an eccentric Oxford Don, affectionately mocked by John Bitcheman and Osbert Lancaster. He created a studio from an old stable at 41 Glebe Place in London, where he entertained wildly. I had already picked up from what was going on. You picked up what I was throwing down. Which is why I did a little village people call out back there in the oh, Navy Oh, see, now. it does all come back mm-hmm, together. Mm-hmm. Poor Louise. All hopes dashed for her very own Shakespeare. Louise still going to be looking for love with all of her caveats, all of her rules. Going to marry for love. No kings, no widowers. It's a great time to take another break. When we come back, we're going to find out about Be Careful What You Wish For. All right, Shakespeare, out of the picture. I'm certain he was perfectly a decent man, but sure. poor Louis. Can you imagine how uncomfortable? I Kid, sit down. We need to have a talk about your boyfriend. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> In 1920, let's go back to neutral Sweden. <sighs> Princess Margaret of Connaught dies, leaving Crown Prince Gustav a widower. You know what's going to happen. I can already tell. By 1923, Prince Gustav is courting Louise, and although it does take a little bit of paperwork and some rule changing, because Louise, Princess Louise of Battenberg, now Mountbatten, by Swedish law is considered unacceptable in their legislation, but... She's Louise. She's a descendant of Queen Victoria. Mm-hmm. Also, she's well into her 30s, too. Like, get that girl hitched. <laughs> With a little bit of finagling, a little few treaties, few law-bending things, in November of 1923, a 34-year-old Louise marries Crown Prince Gustav. Future king. Future Gustav, king. The yeah. still-in-waiting prince. Louise, bless her heart, becomes a devoted stepmother to his children, and will unfortunately suffer herself a stillborn daughter in 1925. Victoria of Baden, the Queen of Sweden, passes away in 1930, which allows Louise to step into the 
queen role for her Mm father-in-law. She's assisting, arranging, performing as the highest lady in the land. Yeah, again, like a first lady role. That's exactly right. Doing it for her father-in-law, still waiting for her husband to become king. Yeah, in the early part of the United States, presidents who were not married or who were widowed, often their sister would come and play the first lady role. It's the thing you do. Bless Louise. That's what she's doing for her father-in-law for going on 20 years. (laughs) Until Crown Prince Gustav's father, the king, finally passes away in 1950, Louise is now queen consort of Sweden. During all of these years, marriage to queen consort assumption, Louise is super progressive and she never really changes. She believes in gender equality. She does not want to be on any kind of pedestal for being royal. It's not her thing. She doesn't like or really quite understand that royals get celebrity status. She thinks that's kind of bogus. Louise isn't so much into court protocol. She will toss out debutante presentations and replace them with ladies' lunches. Hmm. She's really progressive. She is all for let's reform. Everybody's in Sweden. Yeah. She's eccentric. She's loved by her people. She loves Sweden. It's people. It's culture. It took a while, but Louise finally found herself a home. It just kind of took an alternate route. Another thing about Louise, I think you'll like this. She really likes puppies. <laughs> well, dogs, Pomeranian dogs. Hmm. They're always with her. They're her constant companions, even when traveling. And Louise, even if her Pomeranians are not allowed to travel with her, she just wears big coats and packs them in her inside pockets. So that's something. Okay. <laughs> Princess Louise of Battenberg takes ill in December of 1964 passing away in March the following year, 1965. Bless her heart, Princess Louise is buried next to her husband, who is buried next to his first wife, too. Oh, wow. All in the royal cemetery. One big happy family. But I guess they were, because they were cousins or something, right? Like, she and... Princess Margaret would have been, I think, second cousins, yes. Because Margaret was first cousin of Louise's mom. And that, my trashy darlings, is the story of Princess Louise of Battenberg. Again, not terribly trashy. Progressive, really reform-minded, decides to marry for love, finally marries everything that she said she'd never do. Sure. Again, trashiness scale, trashy crowns, like Louise is pretty great. Her sister getting involved, like Trashy Crown, maybe for the name of Shakespeare. That story is just so much good family dynamic, but wait. Next week when we come back, we are going to be talking about Prince George. Oh, the next son up in the Mountbatten's. And I promise that's trashier, that that's only the lead in for Dickie and Edwina, Mm -hmm. which is the real showstopper of this particular series. Friends, I can't tell you how grateful we are for you tuning in. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate you spending your time with us, telling your friends about Trashy Royals, your kind emails and ratings and reviews, your support over at patreon.com slash Trashy Royals podcast as well. Thank you for that story. Yes, you're correct. Louise was much less trashy than I think we're going to end up being. 
before the end of this Mountbatten ride. Oh, no. Louisa is just perfectly angelic. She's kind of... Yeah. Dreamy and very progressive and doesn't get her boyfriend as gay. Wants to live life on her own terms. Uh, Friends. I just would have been remiss if we hadn't put her in to the loop. So there's Louise. I know. Not forgotten. Not forgotten, Louise. Bless her little heart. Not here on Trashy Royals, even if she was not herself a trashy royal. Friends, uh, we will be back with you next week. Same trashy time, same trashy channel. Can't wait until then and until we meet again then, y'all. Keep your eye on the crown. Holy cats, whatever last name or title your family has. Absolutely. Watch that crown. (laughs) Big love, everybody. Have a great rest of the week. Bye. Bye.